0: Welcome back. You are listening to Nate the Hate on YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, and Google Podcast. This episode is dedicated to Shamsa, who gave a very generous donation of $200. Thank you, Shamsa, for your continued support and generosity to the channel. And as a reminder to everyone, if you donate a $100 or more, we will dedicate the episode to you. Or you can donate as little as a dollar, ask a question, you will answer the question at the end of the episode. Joining me today, as always, is my co-host, Modern Vintage Gamer.
1: Hey, what's going on, Nate?
0: Great to be here. Thanks for having me on. Always a pleasure to have you, and I'm going to start today with a very quick question, because I've seen the question appear on my Twitter timeline a couple of times now. But Skatittles wants to know, how cute is the Xbox Series S?
1: Oh, well, that's a great question, Skitittles. Uh, I did release an unboxing video of it recently, it's, uh, it's a pretty nice looking system. I, I, I really admire the way it looks. I mean, it's there's nothing really, you know, like that's, there's nothing that stands out about the system other than it's just a white rectangular box and I think it looks kind of cool. And um, yeah, it's it's pretty tiny, but uh, there'll definitely be more serious S coverage coming on my channel over the next couple of weeks. So uh, watch my channel for more stuff. Yes, everyone is encouraged to check out Modern Vintage Gamer's channel. You can
0: find a YouTube link in the description below. And check out his Xbox Series S unboxing. It is white, as he said, with a black dot, so it's kind of like Snoopy. (laughs) Adorable and quiet. No Woodstock, though. No Woodstock. And we'll go into today's topic, which is three-tiered. First, we're going to talk about the introduction of cloud gaming on Nintendo Switch in North America. And we're going to follow that up with what that means for the Long rumored and speculated Nintendo Switch Pro or the Switch revision, and how the Switch family could expand in 2021 in an interesting and exciting new way. So, let's get right into it with cloud gaming. This week, Nintendo had a Nintendo Direct Partner Showcase, and in it, they announced two games are going to be coming to the Switch, but only via the cloud. The first game, which is available now on the eShop, is Control from Remedy, and the second game that will be coming out in the unknown distant future is hitman 3 now these aren't the first cloud games to come to the platform a couple of years ago in japan we saw assassin's creed odyssey and resident evil 7 but they were only available in japan they never expanded into other regions so these are the first two examples of worldwide reach and i got my hands-on control and i played a little bit of it did you get a chance to play control
1: at all mvg yeah i i grabbed it after the partner showcase and took a look at it and I got to say Nate and I know we're going to talk about this I'm pretty impressed mm-hmm. with the technology you know I when I when when I think about cloud based gaming there's always I guess perception that it's laggy that there's a lot of mm-hmm. compression artifacts especially on the switch which has questionable Wi-Fi in the first place you know is it really the right system to, to run something like this and then of course We've got, you know, services like Stadia, which is kind of getting a really hard time because it's not being taken very seriously and it's not getting a lot of the respect that it's trying to trying to get. And I think a lot of people are are pretty I guess apprehensive about cloud gaming in general because it, it doesn't seem like it's taken off maybe in the ways that it should. But I guess on the flip side of that, you've got you know XCloud, which seems to be doing all the right things and people are saying really good things about that service. I personally have not used xCloud yet, but I'll I'll check it out at some point. But with that said, this is pretty impressive. I mean, for the Switch to be running a cloud-based game like Control, which is something that is pretty ambitious in of itself because there's a lot of data that you would think needs to... Be pushed over the wire to your client switch in the first place. It it runs. Uh, I mean, it runs really well, like almost to the point where you're just playing the game locally on your system. And mm-hmm. overall, first impressions are very positive. And I think that Nintendo is on to something with this stuff. What do you, What do you think?
0: Yeah, I got to play control on the switch. I played it in handheld mode first, so this was over Wi-Fi and. I mean, admittedly, I do have a gigabit connection, so even on Wi-Fi, the signal is quite strong. And I played first time through was with the enhanced graphics mode. So yep. I had no problems with it. I didn't have any, you know, compression or autofacting on the screen. The game ran really without any hint of input delay. And it was quite impressive. And the game has ray tracing. Which is a first, I believe, on the Switch. I know Crisis had some form of it, I believe, mm. but the ray tracing and control was very impressive in this demo. And I then tried performance mode because I figured if it ran well in enhanced graphics mode, then maybe performance mode would be you know smoother because I would imagine the data being transferred over the bit rate and such would be lessened because you're not going to be pushing those high fidelity graphics. And it ran equally as well. And then I tried it docked, still over Wi-Fi, and it still ran beautifully. And it was very surprising to see that it ran this well, because when Resident Evil 7 did hit the Japanese eShop, I downloaded the client, because I figured there's still a chance it could run, and I could play it for about two seconds before the connection completely dropped. Yeah. And the curious thing with cloud-based gaming, especially on the Switch, is... You know, we see a lot of that discussion of the Wi-Fi chip isn't that good. You have people play Smash Brothers and they say, you know, the Wi-Fi fighters are ruining the experience due to the lag. Mm-hmm. And if you can get cloud-based gaming up and running on the Switch to a, you know, fair capacity, it might have potential. But there is one big roadblock and Rem- and Remedy's control is certainly going to be victim to this and it's pricing. With Control, you only have one option, and it's, you can buy an unlimited pass for $40, which allows you to play the game as much as you want. You can play a demo of it if you download the client, and it's really just a test to see if you can play the game. I believe it's for five minutes consistent without any significant connection drops, and then the game allows you to, I believe, make the purchase. Mm-hmm. So you you know you get to test your connection make sure you can run. But $40 to me seems a bit too pricey. I think they should offer a multi-tier approach where it's maybe a month for $10, 6 months for 20, unlimited for 40. This way you give the player options cuz you know control isn't an overly long game here. We're talking, you know, maybe let's say 18 to 24 hours depending on your playstyle and if you go through all the DLC or not. You give me the option for $10 to play for a month. I would probably be satisfied with what you're offering there, because $10 is fairly cheap. I have access to it for the month. I can play it. And then once I'm done with it and I don't want to return, that's fine. And I get the idea these cloud-based games are really probably for people who only have a Switch. You don't have a gaming PC. You don't have an Xbox Series or an Xbox One or a PlayStation 4. And you're likely not buying a PlayStation 5 or an Xbox Series X or S. You just game on the Switch. So this is the only way you can play control. Mm-hmm. So I think you have to approach pricing a little more aggressively with the options and not force people to just drop this $40 to own a digital only or a cloud-based game. Because if the market were ready for that approach, Stadia would have more success than what we're seeing. Yeah. And a big part of Stadia's shortcomings are from the idea of, you want me to give you $60 for a game I don't actually have ownership of. And it's a game that could come off the servers at any time. And I'm reliant on my internet connection at any given point. And the switch is a portable device. So having to use Wi-Fi to play the game already limits the overall appeal of the service in and of itself. Like, yes, we're at the advent of 5g. 5g is more than capable of, you know, playing a game on your switch That's cloud-based. But not everyone has a 5G phone. I certainly wouldn't trust my 4G connection and linking it to my Switch to play something like Control at a consistent, you know, some sort of consistency from performance. Yeah. In-home Wi-Fi, yes. So if they can address the pricing, they may have something here.
1: Yeah. You know, there's a lot of question marks. I I agree with what you say. I mean... There's definitely shades of Stadia when it comes to the pricing model. It's very difficult. It's very difficult to price these games. Like, I think it must be the hardest job in the world to try to figure out how to price cloud-based games unless you put them all on a subscription service. Like, $40 is expensive. I mean, in another way, you're getting a really good game and all of its DLC, and you're getting... You know the best version of the game running on a Switch for forty bucks. So is that really a bad deal? But I guess the the problem the problem with this is just like Stadia is that along comes Project XCloud by Microsoft, and if they put control on XCloud, and you know their price is a lot more competitive, then it's 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 something that Nintendo uh ultimately i you know have made a mistake on and and i think they have to and maybe they will i mean this is the first of you know hopefully more more cloud-based games to come maybe they will bundle all these together and sell them you know or maybe add add another tier on to the nintendo switch online subscription where if you want hey cloud gaming then add an add an extra couple of dollars a month and you get access to those games and play them anytime you want. I mean that would be a really smart approach. But in order to do that, they need to to build up that library first. So, you know, you got that first game out, so how do you how do you price it? And I think I think ultimately it's very difficult because even if you put it at $10, which hey, $10 is a good price to pay. Even even for a license, we'll say, to play a cloud-based game anytime you want. I think that's a more than reasonable price. Eventually it's going to get to a point where it's like, why am I paying 10 bucks a pop for these cloud-based games? I mean, I I do wonder where, where this goes and look I want Nintendo to be encouraged by this. Like I think the tech is is very good and it actually surprised it surprised me. You know, I I thought the experience may be a little more jittery and a little bit more bit more laggy overall. But honestly, I couldn't tell the difference. You know, I mean I haven't side by side it with just a local version of the game. I do have the game on the PlayStation 4, but you know, when I was moving the controller around, um, everything just felt normal to me. It didn't feel like there was an extra frames of delay in there. And great, great tech. Now it's all you know up to Microsoft. Sorry, it's all up to Nintendo to to market this thing. I think is, is the key thing here. We'll be back after a quick break. Ever thought modern video games should be more interesting? At the Gaming Blender, we take randomised genres mechanics and make a new game every episode. I've added permadeath. We have a survival game of a hardcore simulation which could be House Flipper and with the permadeath of XCOM. Then that all has to be an action-adventure. Yes. Oh dear. Yes. And sometimes... It doesn't quite work. And you you have a construction off over the course of the of the narrative. A construction off. The <laughs> way the way we can do this is that we ditch your idea entirely. Entirely. Check out the gaming blender on all your favorite podcast platforms now.
0: Yeah, you bring up a good point. I mean like the ten dollars in my mind would be kind of like a rental. Yeah. Like you're renting the game for the month, it costs ten bucks. You know, just to entice that buyer a little more, and it kind of comes down to the idea of we're at $40. If nobody's biting, I offer you these multi-tier options. Even if we have, you know, a thousand people at $10 is better than nobody at $40. Right. At least it's some sort of revenue coming in. And that's kind of how I view these cloud-based games, at least on the Switch right now, is that you're just looking to generate some sort of revenue stream. You're not using this to gauge necessarily is there an audience for a game like Control if you're, you know, 505 Games. You're just kind of viewing it as let's see how cloud based gaming does on a platform like Switch. Yeah. Maybe we'll bring cloud based gaming to other platforms, but right now the Switch is kind of the platform we want to test this out on. And it's probably multifaceted, even in that. When I look at the games that have so far been introduced to this cloud-based service, even if I just look at the Japanese games that have been out with Assassin's Creed, Resident Evil 7, and now Control, and eventually Hitman 3, all of them are fairly demanding games. These are games that would not run on the Switch, at least not you know not natively, without right. severe compromises, to the point where they may not even be recognizable to their original form. Yep. So now, if I'm Capcom, or Remedy, or any company, And I say, I really want to bring the game to Switch. You have a huge user base. They're very active. Software is selling well. But I cannot port my latest release natively to your platform. This is now a viable option. I use Cloud to bring the game to the platform that otherwise wouldn't have it. And I think a debate that's going to be ongoing with some fans probably from this point, maybe even into next year, is what's better? having a cloud version of control on the Switch or having no version?
1: That's an interesting point, Nate. I mean, what about like Doom Eternal, right? I mean, that, that game has been in development for a long time. We didn't hear anything about it at the last part in the showcase and I was kind of expecting to hear some update. I know the last communication we heard was, you know, it's it's coming soon and that's that's what we we have to believe that you know there may be some announcement on regarding that game i look i think it's probably going to get pushed to next year it's f- probably not going to happen this year which is fine but given the amount of time that game has been in development for the switch do you think maybe in hindsight what would have been better is to come up with a cloud version of this game instead cuz it's something i'm not saying they could they could have spun it up very quickly but you know it's something that would already be up and running by now and you know do you think yeah. it, it's it comes to a point where you've you've spent so much time trying to optimize or get a game ready for the switch and is it really something that you should just consider just you know throwing onto the cloud service instead
0: that's a tough question to really gauge cuz i would imagine if i'm a company like Bethesda I probably have looked at the success of doom 2016 on the switch and said we sold this many you know copies i believe the game is still full priced on switch and you know we know what we know what we're selling we know what we sold so we have a general idea of what we can expect performance wise when doom eternal does eventually drop on the system and they probably know we can make a lot of money with a 60 dollars version we know we might sell a million copies versus that uncertainty of a cloud version. Yes, the cloud version from an investment standpoint to actually get the game on Switch is probably virtually nothing. Yeah, You're using a PC build of the game. You're putting it onto the server, which I believe is Ubitis, I think is the company who does this. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then you charge $40. So the overhead is incredibly low. But I think if you've already had success on the platform with a previous version or the previous, you know, the predecessor, you know what you're going to make and you know how much to invest in the outsourcing company to handle the port. So you've already weighed all those pros and cons and you came to that decision of the system can run that engine. We can get the game up and running at a workable and a well-represented version of the game. It's not a version we're embarrassed about. Yeah. So let's do a native port, whereas, Control, Control ran iffy on base Xbox One and PlayStation Four.
1: It really did. It had a lot of performance issues, you know, early on, which I think they've fixed since then. But yeah, you're right. It 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 definitely had its quirks.
0: So, like, you look at that and say they've probably tested bringing Control natively to play to Switch. I'm sure Capcom tried to natively bring Resident Evil Seven when they were getting the RE engine up and running on the platform for Monster Hunter Rise. I mean, like these companies do explore and experiment with their games to say, can we get it up and running on that platform? And sometimes the case is it's running, but the resolution is lower than we want or the performance isn't at what we want. So our only option is we either release a very compromised version or we don't do it at all. And now if the option is, let's try the cloud version, we can have a well-grounded and represented version of our game and it's on that platform that has that huge user base, so let's give that a try. Mm-hmm. And I mean, if that's really the option that a publisher has to weigh, I yeah. guess if the game natively cannot work, cloud is the decent option. But I don't foresee this leading to any cases of, do we really want to put in the effort to port this game to Switch? Yeah, Let's just go the easy way out. Like I think the companies will still put their best foot forward and say, if we can natively do it, let's mm-hmm. do it. It's only going to be those select cases that it's not possible. Right. The hardware is too limited. Let's go cloud. And like as we brought up, the pricing is going to be an issue. And if they can circumvent that and they can find a new alternative to pricing and offer those options, and that way they bring in money, you might see more publishers where the games didn't work. Like Let's just go crazy and say Square says, let's bring Final Fantasy VII Remake to Switch via the cloud. Cloud on Cloud. Yeah. I love it. Cloud <laughs> like, on Cloud edition. Yeah. Like, well, <laughs> let's do that. Kingdom Hearts 3. We've already had Square come out and say we'd like to bring some of these Kingdom Heart games over, but it's just not possible. Yeah. Let's do a Cloud edition. Like these the cloud versions, they're not expecting to have millions of sales of these passes. They're just going to sit there and say if we can get a few thousand people interested in this as long as we have revenue coming in we're happy with that it means there is interest for our games on this platform and people are willing to embrace this delivery system and i think the delivery system itself and the technology behind it is probably the most interesting aspect of it because it is it it
1: is an interesting avenue for companies to explore what about what about another angle this is This is a little out there, but I'm going to throw this to you. So there's two things I want to say. There's two scenarios. The first one is when you go to E3, you're standing in line literally for hours, you know, for a chance to play the next first-party Nintendo game, right? Yep. What if... And and look, one of the reasons why companies don't put demos up on, like, the eShop around E3 time is because you know, they want to control this a lot better, right? Like, you know, it's it's very difficult just to drop an A3 build or something up there because the build may be a little buggy and they definitely want to control, you know, the the gameplay experience, the user experience and get you through the demo and then get you on your way. What if they use a cloud service to... Offer up these demos at these trade shows, so you don't have to sit in line. You still get that controlled, curated experience, because you know you don't actually have any access to any of the code at all. And then once you know, once you're done, then you kind of move on. And the other scenario is, what about if Nintendo, to, I guess, combat leaks? We saw Pokemon get leaked last year. And it was something that Nintendo was not very happy about. Obviously, they went after some people with, you know, cease and desist and and, and legal threats and, and, and whatnot. And basically, the game was completely leaked before it had come out. Same thing with some other games that got leaked as well. Nintendo, obviously, is no stranger to that. What about to control leaks that any reviewer or any media that is reviewing the game before the game goes to retail is available on the cloud only so they don't get a review code to download it they get again they get that controlled curated experience on the cloud i know i'm i know i'm like throwing these curveballs out out there but what do you think about those two scenarios for demos even outside of trade shows i could see it being a viable
0: secondary option i Understand the idea, especially for security, because as soon as you drop a demo, it happened with Age of Calamity demo. Yep. You, people data mine it, and you find out you know starting roster, characters, et cetera in it. And if you did do it during the cloud, you know you're not going to get that data mining. Right. But it just runs into the problem of that demo would then only be available to those with a good internet connection. So you limit the appeal. Yeah. And. I guess that point would also go to reviewers. You have a bad internet connection, you can't review the game, or if your internet is unstable, you might misunderstand that the game's performance isn't poor, it's your internet that's causing these problems. And with COVID, I know some media events have been conducted over Zoom, or they have, like, a... They kind of do demos mm-hmm. in Zoom, where you are playing essentially, like, through stadia right to get an understanding of how the game plays and everything. So you could do that, I guess, if they really, they would really have to nail the infrastructure for it. But I would be open to the idea of cloud demos for the mass consumer, just as a secondary option. Like maybe that's the first round. And then like a couple of weeks later comes the native eShop file based demo. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But like, As much as people hate it, cloud gaming is a direction the industry is moving in. It may take years to get there. The market is not quick to embrace this. This is not something that they're really willing to just leap into because there is the ownership issue. There is the idea of, I don't actually own anything. I just have the license for a game, which people can make the argument, yeah, you have a disc for a game. All that grants you is a license, because you put it into the system, it then gets a digital license, you know, it goes through all this whole process. So it's really not that different, except you have the box and you have the disc and it makes you feel like you own something that you can always access. Right now, we don't know about cloud stuff. Can I access, if I bought control on my Switch today, can I access it in three years? I I doubt it. I don't know.
1: Yeah. I mean, as long as the eShop is still around, I I guess you can. But yeah, I mean, eventually it's going to go away. If yeah,
0: Vitus is no longer functioning, then the server doesn't
1: exist. That is true too. It, it's it's just one of those things that comes with it. And look, it's it's funny you say that because if look, if I was blindfolded and you just boot boot up to the the intro screen there, and I just press start and I start playing the game, I couldn't tell you if it was running on the cloud or if it was running on the switch locally. I mean, the experience is that good, and that's where it gets interesting because for the average person, they don't necessarily care where they're playing it. If, if, if the experience is, is still good either way, then I think, you know, the job is done. But what, where it gets interesting is that, look, this is control, right? This is not a, this is not typically a game that would live on the Nintendo switch in the first place. I think it's, it's one of those games where it's Look, it's been around for a while. It's a good game, it, it was reviewed well, but it also is a very niche style of game. And I think for a cloud-based game, it's it's the perfect solution, it's the perfect game for it because it has those features that can really show off what cloud gaming is all about. But, you know, if you just had a native port on the Switch and you had it on the eShop for $40, I don't know if it necessarily would be the right game you know because i think I, I think you know it's overpriced either way and it just goes back to you know how do you how do you price these games how do you market these games to a wider audience you know
0: yeah and you bring up a good point where had the game released natively 40 dollars on the switch i don't know what the selling potential would really be because it would come down to how does the game look how does the game perform and with a game like Control, I would wager it probably wouldn't have looked and ran all that well natively on Switch. Yeah, The cloud version alleviates those concerns, but it still has the big obstacle in a way, and that is stable internet connection. So it still has that limiting factor. And that's where the pricing really is something that they just have to nail. Yeah, If you want people to really embrace and go this route for your games on Switch because you can't, bring them over natively and you can only do cloud, you have to give us those pricing options. You have to give us a way to really play the games where it's not a full $40 ownership idea, where it is maybe just the rental, or maybe as you said, you you attach it to Nintendo Switch Online. Yep. Where I guess Nintendo would have to step forward and say, hey, Capcom, Remedy, all your other publishers or developers who are thinking of doing cloud-based games we want to bring you in and offer you as part of nintendo switch online because we're raising the price 30 to you know 30 dollars a year and you say okay sweet obviously nintendo would have to give them you know a piece of action there mm-hmm. and one thing i did see is that a lot of discussion sprung up of because we're seeing cloud-based gaming come to switch even though limited does this open up the idea of maybe nintendo is willing to sit down and have the conversation with microsoft of bringing x cloud to
1: switch and that's another that's another episode i think we could get into (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean like the surface level
0: answer is (laughs) i believe these conversations have yeah place and are ongoing the key issue is the difference between the two ideas is control is a single game nintendo can kind of control that (laughs) x cloud is a vast service where microsoft curates the software on it and nintendo would probably want a little more power over the games that are on that service right and that may not be something microsoft is willing to compromise on and that would probably be where the friction is yeah yeah i would agree with that but i mean cloud gaming on the switch it's intriguing. It's nothing new. As I said, we saw it in Japan a couple of years ago. This is just the first time we've seen it in the Western markets. And I am impressed with the technology. I'm impressed with how it ran. And we've seen the rumors that maybe Capcom is going to bring Resident Evil 3 Remake to the service. Mm-hmm. And hey, if you can't play Resident Evil 3 any other way and you have good internet and you want to play it on Switch, you know that may be coming your way and maybe it's a viable option for you. I just hope there's better pricing structure in place because $40 or $60 yeah. is a lot of money for basically a unlimited rental pass. Give us those options. I think people would be more willing to embrace the idea. I mean, I know for a month for 10 bucks, I would rent the game via the cloud without hesitation. I'm sure others would as well. And. Even a low revenue stream is better than no revenue stream.
1: I mean, I beat Resident Evil three remake in seven hours. And trust me, I was not speed running that game. I know people that can beat it in less than two hours. So, you know, you'd only need a a weekend pass. Yeah. I mean, it, <laughs> if you charge $40 for that game, that, that is completely missing the window, completely missing the boat on, on you know, what you're trying to do there. But I uh, I, I do want to say, Nate, is is the cloud-based gaming, and I know this is going to segue into the next topic, is, is the cloud-based gaming on the Nintendo Switch a sign of things to come? Is it a stopgap for what's coming next year with new Switch models? I'd say No. no a word no um
0: i don't think we can look to cloud-based gaming as to mean anything to do with the revision of 2021 i know a lot of people are trying to connect the two saying well look controls on the cloud for switch that means a native version will come to the revision or the switch pro in 2021 and i don't think we can link those two together right now
1: what about resident evil though i mean we heard rumors that the uh the the re engine is running on the switch now and monster hunter is coming you know but do you think that falls into the same bucket as well i do
0: because we have to remember that the re engine for monster hunter rise is a modified re engine mm-hmm. so it's not exactly the same as the re engine being used for resident evil 2 remake and resident evil 3 remake so there's some modification we don't know what it is maybe it's you know, like re engine light for lack of a better word. Yeah. It means like, yeah, you could port those games over. It's just a question of what were the sacrifices and what were the compromises made? Was it resolution? Was it performance? Is it just to a point where even Capcom looked at it and said, we could release it, but it's just not up to our standard quality. And that'd be a question that, you know, unless we're actually sitting in there and watching these test demos take place, we don't know. And, it's you know it's complex yeah but we you know we're anticipating the switch revision to be a power boost of some sort we don't know the exact range maybe it's 20 percent in cpu you know ram we don't know exactly how far the system is going to get you know enhancements i don't think it's going to be enough that you're also going to get these games as native ports because if i'm nintendo the important thing is I still have a base of 70 million people with the current Switch. If you want to bring over a game like Resident Evil 2, we'll say, I don't want you to alienate them. Right. And people say, well, that's why you have the cloud version. And as we've discussed, the cloud version is still held back by internet connection. So you're going to release a physical game that you know, only a few million people can play who bought the Pro and you're going to abandon the huge base like the base is the reason you're bringing these games over is that 60 million people,
1: 70 million people. It's not for the 5 million new pro buyers. What's more important though, held back by internet or held back by hardware? You know what I'm saying? Like right. would you rather have a really nice looking cloud version that is running max settings somewhere else on a PC? Mm-hmm. Or would you have a local native Switch version that's running, we'll say, medium to medium-high settings with significant post-processing reductions? I guess it would come down to the game in that
0: case. Like, if you as the developer, if you look at that version and say, this loses a lot of that atmosphere and quality that we wanted to deliver with the game, then I don't want to go with the latter. But it seems like it'd probably be a case-by-case basis yeah. of really what you're trying to convey with you know the game you're releasing. And you know, it it's definitely a complex matter. Like, I don't think we can view this pro of 2021 as the solution to the third-party problem on Switch. Like it's not gonna come in and all of a sudden solve all those problems where every developer who's ever come out and said, hey, we'd like to bring the game over to Switch, but you know the system just isn't powerful enough. This revision isn't just going to be that elixir yeah. that makes all these dreams come true. I still think Nintendo's core vision is whatever is going to run on next year's revision has to also run on the Switch Lite yeah. and the current Switch hybrid. Because that's the thing. We still have the Switch Lite. And I understand it's not it's selling but it hasn't been the huge blockbuster seller that maybe nintendo had envisioned it still is second in sales compared to the hybrid the hybrid is the flagship lead model and you know if you still have that light you need to develop for you're not going to abandon it right It's It's bad business and you know it's I want to see how they truly do approach software with the Pro because if it is, as we've kind of talked about in the past, just a system that has improved CPU, has the improved GPU, has 4K functionality of some sort, be it through DLSS or just 4K upscale, none of it is enough to make the current Switch obsolete. And that is what I maintain. The Switch revision of 2021 is not going to make the current models obsolete. It's just going to essentially replace the current hybrid model with a better version. The light will remain. And that's just happens to be the new family of the switch at that time. Very similar to what we saw with the new three DS. It just replaced the three DS. Yeah. You just kind of forget that system exists. It didn't take away what happened with those three DS is like the games. 99% of the games were still compatible. Yep, and that's what I anticipate here. It's not a start of a new generation.
1: It's not a replacement, right? Uh, yeah, I, I I agree, definitely. Nate. I mean, it's 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 the new Nintendo Switch. You know, it, mm-hmm. it, it takes the same same types of steps Nintendo did with the the 3ds and applies it here. Um, yeah, I I totally agree. What I want to see with the the revision or the Pro, whatever we call it. I want to see a bigger screen though, because one of the things about the light for me that I feel like is not aging very well. And the lights only been around for not very long is that the screen is super tiny. Like I've been playing a lot of games on the light. I mean, the light is my portable system of choice. My regular switch is mostly docked most of the time. So um, there's that, but you know, the light, like I was playing age of calamity on it and Reading the font is very, very difficult. I know, look, I have, you know, my eyesight isn't great in the first place, but, you know, the font is super tiny. And I know when Fire Emblem came out last year, it was a similar thing. It just seems like these games uh, just don't scale, and scale is probably not the right word, but they don't reduce in, in size, you know, on the light, probably the way that they should. And I definitely want to see. Whatever comes next for the Switch, I want to see a bigger screen. Like, I I think the the one on the regular Switch is is fine, but I think it's time just to expand the size a little bit more and, and get us something that's a little more 2021, we'll say, you know, as opposed to um smaller because smaller used to be better a couple of years ago, but smaller is not better anymore. I think hey, look at the PlayStation 5 and the Xbox Series X. I mean, we don't care about small and compact systems anymore. We want big behemoth you know hardware. So Nintendo, give us something a little bit bigger, you know, screen wise, I think would be would be really, really appreciated. Yeah, I'm sure most people
0: would like a Switch XL Type of thing, and we've seen them do that with the like the DS line and even the 3DS. I think they had a bigger model with the screen. I stopped with the new 3DS, I didn't continue upgrading every time they came out with the new iteration. Yeah, and like even the switch right now, depending on what the revision is the 2021, you know, for the pro, depending what it offers, I may not upgrade, I might just stay with the hybrid switch or the uh, yeah, hybrid switch yep. that I have right now because you know, if all the games are compatible. I'm okay with the performance I see generally from the games. And one thing that has crossed my mind is... I saw people post this on Twitter as a question to me a few times. It's that we are moving into a new generation with the PlayStation 5 and Xbox Series X. And now we're seeing the cloud-based games come to Switch that we've deemed not feasible to run on Switch hardware. So that case is only going to expand with the arrival of PlayStation 5 and Xbox Series X especially from third parties, as they pivot towards these new super-powered machines, they're going to start making games tailored specifically for what those systems you know, have. Yeah. And the Switch has already kind of struggled to get some current-gen ports. It's gotten more than some people may have anticipated. I mean, Doom, Doom Eternal, Witcher 3, yeah. and a handful of others. But maybe... The Switch Pro, you know, as we said, it's likely not going to alleviate the power differential in in any significant way. Would you bring third-party games to the cloud service that are releasing on PlayStation 5 and Xbox Series X that you couldn't natively bring to the Switch? Or do you just kind of say, hey, Nintendo, when you bring out your successor, we'll give you a late port.
1: Uh, I, I wouldn't be against bringing them to the cloud service in general. I think it's a a very compelling reason to do so let's let's use cyberpunk as an example let's say cyberpunk I mean it's coming to stadia but let's say that it was announced for the Nintendo switch on the cloud service that they have I'd be I'd be more than okay with that i I, I think ultimately you know as we mentioned, it just goes back to the pricing of these things and I think that's where it gets gets interesting because you know, are you going to charge $60 for the the privilege to play that game on the Switch? No, no one's going to spend the money on to play the Switch version of that game when you can just get the, you know, the fully ray traced PC version or the PS5 version when that ultimately comes out as well. I think that's where it gets interesting. But I, I, th- I I'd like to see Nintendo you know, start utilizing the cloud service to, to bring some of these games across to the Switch. But I'm also interested in your take on that as well, because in another way, you know, does that kind of, I don't want to say ruin the the Switch experience, because it is very unique in so many ways, because it doesn't have everything on there. But it also has a lot of first party games that obviously are exclusive to that system so there's that kind of romance and mystique about about Nintendo systems are you you know are you kind of starting to just open the floodgates a little bit and just kind of throw third party games on the system in in the cloud yeah. capacity and does that kind of dilute the experience of the switch as a unique you know, handheld and just make it another, I'll say generic handheld system that, that can pretty much play anything. It's man. I know I'm getting very philosophical here with this stuff, but you know, (laughs) Nintendo's sold so many systems and made so much money over, over the years with this, with this product. And I think they need to be very careful about how they position themselves as, as a game system. I, I want them to, to use the cloud, but, I guess what I'm saying is I want them to use it when it makes sense. You know, like, yeah. you know, I, I don't want to see FIFA or or Madden on there. You know what I mean? Like, even the ones we already right. have are, are horrible. Um, but you, you know what I'm saying? I, we, we just don't want, like, this mass influx of these games, you know, because I think that would ruin the the Switch experience for me, you know?
0: Yeah. If Nintendo wants to be aggressive with cloud as a viable option to third-party publishers, I think they do have to have some sort of like some sort of regulation in place. And it would still kind of come back to the idea of if you guys can natively do this, bring it to our system natively. We have an active base. They love buying software. You'll probably get your return on investment plus some without issue. We can't promise that if you do a cloud version. Yeah. So if you're going to do the cloud version, you really have to weigh those pros and cons. We urge you to do native if possible. But in those games that have no possible way of working, try it. Try the cloud release. What we can promise you is that it's going to get placement on our eShop. You are going to get eyes on it. And it just comes down to you, as we've kind of you know iterated a few times now, you guys price it right as the publisher, and you might find an audience on us. We can't promise huge success with the cloud, but we can promise people are going to be aware of it and you're going to stand out because you're going to be this high demanding game. Like I'll just use final fantasy seven remake as another, as the example, again, your final fantasy seven, you're the remake. You're a game that switch owners would love to play on the go or, you know, just l- lounging in mm-hmm. bed at night. Yeah. Price it right. We guarantee you people are going to at least give the demo a run and maybe you get someone invested if you price it low enough. Yeah. But it's all up to you publishers to price it in a compelling way to get people to willing you know get people interested in investing in you you right. can't do that if you guys can't price it competitively and you can't bring it to any other way, then you know that's your choice but definitely favor native port first cloud as just the we want to get something on the switch we just can't do it. And this is how we're going to have to, you know, this is our only outlet for doing so. Yeah. It should kind of be that last resort of we love your hardware. We love that base. The only way we can bring it is cloud. And Nintendo should say, okay, we'll
1: support that. Do you think Phil Spencer's talking to Nintendo now about bringing the Halo Master Chief Collection to the Switch (laughs) via the cloud? That'd be a pretty big announcement. It would be a big announcement, but based on Phil's recent interview
0: answers it sounds like he really wants xbox live and game pass in full on a platform and that's where if nintendo's willing to play ball it seems like microsoft is ready and willing to go it's just hey nintendo yeah come come join us and we'll give you this vast bounty of software we just need to give we just want a little more control than you're willing to give us and nintendo just doesn't seem willing to budge right now But, hey, I'm sure these discussions are going on every week. And maybe one day we see some fruits of labor, you know, sprout from that tree of discussion. (laughs) But, cloud and the Switch is a very interesting topic, and it does give Nintendo a little wiggle room to gain access to third-party games that they otherwise would not have at all. And it's really just a question of, is the audience going to... Embrace this ideology or not. And right now, you know, the jury's out on that and We'll find out in the coming months, especially, you know, when hitman 3 comes around Maybe people are are a little more willing to dive into cloud-based purchases. I mean Ten years ago hell even five years ago digital wasn't the primary means of game purchasing and now it's huge so we might still just be in the genesis of cloud-based purchasing, and maybe in five, ten years, it becomes the norm. It's very, don't know yet.
1: Yeah, it's very, it's very likely that that we'll we'll see more of this coming up. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm looking forward to it. I think it's um it's a good addition or something that complements the existing marketplace very yes. well and. Yeah, Final Fantasy VII, I mean, that would be a great choice. I know we're kind of fanboying a little bit on that one, but that would be a really good good choice to see running on on the uh, Switch via the cloud. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a good complementary service for Nintendo to
0: have. It's just just to be able to say, we have Hitman 3, we have Control, and it's just be able to say, we have these games, as opposed to, we don't have them at all. And it really just, it's still, it still comes down to that publisher and pricing. And, you know, the Switch Pro isn't going to fix these problems. It's not also going to make these games come natively to these pla- to the platform. Yeah. It's a good step for Nintendo, especially moving into the future, that maybe
1: get a better Wi-Fi chip in there. You know, their system. <laughs> Absolutely. And, 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 you know, I was going to ask, yeah. so speaking of that, how much, what are they going to price this Switch revision at? Is it going to be 299 and they're going to re- drop the price of the current one? i uh, and I'd say
0: 299 299 is the maximum they can go. You can't come out with a Switch revision next year and price it at even 349 It's $50 higher than Xbox Series S. A yeah, right. system. You don't want that type of narrative being spun that Nintendo is still offering the current gen at a higher price than a next-gen system, no matter how limited the Series S is compared to the X or PlayStation 5. It's still the introduction to next-gen. So Nintendo has to come in at 299 and I think you position it as a full-on replacement of the current hybrid Switch, and you just phase those out over yeah. a period of time, or once production starts on the revision, you cease production of the current hybrid, and maybe by the time it launches, you've kind of already exhausted the stock you had of the current Switch. So come launch of the revision, you can't even find the old model anymore. Right. So then, you know, whenever it is introduced, we've speculated maybe it's March. It could be later in the year when Breath of the Wild 2 hits. It's really anyone's guess right now. Nintendo hasn't given us any guidance Mm -hmm. as to when we are in or could anticipate the revision. The only thing we have about the Switch Pro that came out this week was that it appears Nintendo has gone to interlocks and has investigated the idea of having, I believe, is it mini or micro led? I think it's mini. I think it's mini. Mini. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's mini led screens, which would, it's lower energy. It has better contrast. And I believe it could even offer HDR. Mm, Yeah. If we remember way back when the initial batch of rumors was Nintendo was looking for a better screen. Here it is. Yep, This would be a significant upgrade for the screen. And that obviously only comes with a hybrid model. And right now, the weird thing with the talk is if they're just looking into the screen provider now, it seems a little rough if you're planning on launching a system in five months. This should have already been finalized because you'd probably be in production in about
1: two months if you were launching in March. Yeah, you'd think so. You would <laughs> <laughs> maybe the dates are, are, are you know just because we heard about them now doesn't necessarily mean you know that's when things have that's begun true. this this stuff could have been in the works for a little longer than that that is true I mean or on like, the flip side these systems I mean we're saying you know we're speculating March because that's when it's the fourth anniversary March. but it could be more of a holiday thing right it could be a holiday thing it could be even late you know, summer, Yeah,
0: could do that, that Zelda thing where, oh, every time they've launched a revision, they've always seemed to have a Zelda ready for it. So yeah, maybe it's Breath of the Wild 2. Maybe it's Skyward Sword HD. Maybe it's a Zelda collection, you know, in 2021 that will launch the Switch revision. We don't know. March has been the long rumored and anticipated because it is the anniversary of the Switch release. We also have monster hunter which typically has a hardware bundle and it does not have one announced yet that's right it's kind of like well are you launching the revision because it did launch the new 3ds yeah so there is that possibility that that's what's going to happen again we don't know if history will repeat itself or not but pricing wise yeah 299 um really don't know about launch window just yet And even with the new information that comes out, it still doesn't really narrow in any expectation. Just 2021. Nintendo does have their fiscal report coming up. I believe it is next Friday or next Thursday. If maybe they give us some guidance then about a Switch Pro release window I'm anticipating they do not I don't think you would want to announce that especially not before the holidays you don't want to limit sales potential because the switch is selling like hotcakes right now and why would you want to hurt your own momentum
1: by announcing a revision absolutely (laughs) absolutely agree with that said I, I have a question for you so next generation systems are coming out in the next few weeks when does Nintendo decide that it's time for a new generation of system, eventually, eventually the switch is going to feel a little out of date, as far as you know. There's no fast loading. There's you know <laughs> there's features that are that people are expecting, or people are used to on the Xbox Series X and the PS5. When do you think? How, any more, how many more years do you think is left in the switch before we see another generation? Do you think it's another four years, or do you think maybe it's it's reduced oh, a little no. bit? definitely less than four years depending on what we
0: actually get out of the revision itself in terms of performance and new features i'm anticipating that nintendo probably has the switch successor lined up for early 2023
1: yeah i think that's i think that's a a good estimation i think my worry is that Developers are going to get to a point where it becomes more of a liability to port stuff to the Switch after a certain amount of time has passed. Maybe maybe that's a little bit naive of me to say that right now, but I think at some point, you know, maybe the the revision of the Switch will will alleviate some of those concerns in some fashion. But eventually, we're going to get to a stage where you know these ports to the Switch are going to feel like you know it's 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 a, a budget and a and a money and a time commitment that maybe these studios are just not thinking about doing you know and i'm talking about third parties of course so hopefully nintendo is aware of that and look i'd like to think they're already thinking about what's next for the switch generation you know
0: yeah i mean i'm sure they are already well underway of development of their next generation system i'm sure they're working very close with nvidia about you know any technology that they're Currently developing that is going to be suitable for a Switch form factor. And to your point for like third party, I think where the Switch can gain a little longevity to make it to like 2023 is going to be from the Japanese studios. Yeah. Japan is always very reluctant to adopt a new generation. They want to stay in the current gen really as long as they can. They want to maximize those profits. They're finally familiar with the hardware. And the Switch. It's the leading platform in Japan. It's done very well for studios out there. And, you know, obviously Square Enix already has their big game coming to PlayStation 5 with Final Fantasy 16. But they still make those smaller games, like Bravely Default 2, yep. Octopath Traveler type of games. And that's where the Switch is just prime to take advantage of those type of releases. Or even Atlas, who has suddenly found a little bit of love for Nintendo and the Switch, atlas is notorious for being slow to coming to the next generation of consoles and i can't imagine they're in any rush to leap to playstation 5 so if the switch is there for them and they can get another two years out of the switch and making games you know like shin megami tensai or persona those type of games and they can just use the switch as that lead platform they will and that might be what helps them you're going to get sega Those type of studios. Western-wise, I mean, let's be real. EA is only just now bringing decent support to the Switch. Mm -hmm. Ubisoft, they've brought some quality games. They had Mario Rabbids, big success. But otherwise, they were a lot of ports. Yep. Like the Assassin's Creed games from last gen. So it's not like they were these huge contributors. And that's where the switch isn't or the switch and potentially the switch successor, you're not losing all that much from Western studios. You never had the support to begin with. Right. I mean, Bethesda was probably the biggest new Western supporter and come this time next year, they're going to be under Microsoft's control. So yep. you can't even, like we came in even say like, Oh, well, you know, Bethesda was a big supporter. Yes, they were. And Microsoft now owns, well, own them by this time next year so we don't know what type of support could still be there indies
1: indies could carry the switch till 2023 no doubt yeah i mean i think i think i think that's that's definitely a huge part of of you know the landscape that makes up that system we just saw that with the partner showcases i mean there was a lot of emphasis put on that this year and i think that will continue going forward no doubt and, I mean, Nintendo's first-party output is always strong. And 2021, as we talked about in previous
0: episode, is probably going to be an incredibly strong year from Nintendo in terms of output. And we don't know of maybe some games that were planned playing for 2021 may have gotten pushed to 2022 due to COVID or development delays. I mean, we're still waiting on Metroid Prime 4. Yeah, that old chestnut. Hopefully it's not. on Switch. <laughs> <laughs> and that's where yeah, I think Nintendo can... They can bide their time even with the... The genesis of next generation hitting in just a couple of weeks because Xbox isn't really going to hit their stride until late 2021, early 2022. Sony will be a little more ahead of that race, but Nintendo continues to beat, go to the beat of their own drum. They don't really view those two as their main competition. Nintendo is Nintendo is their own competitor. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. I think that'll continue. Yeah. Now, an interesting thing that did come out in recent days was everyone's favorite video game analyst, Michael Pachter. Oh, God. Came out with an obscure statement that made absolutely no sense whatsoever, where he said that Nintendo should ditch the hybrid Nintendo Switch, or Nintendo should ditch the Switch hybrid and just have a light. And he said Nintendo won't do that because they're not that smart. And the light isn't the lead-selling hardware for Nintendo. It's the hybrid and i don't know if pactor just doesn't understand the appeal of the hybrid or
1: he misspoke or he just misreached the market who's giving but- pactor a platform in in the first place that's my question <laughs> i
0: don't know his, <laughs> his analyst is no longer really valuable to the gaming community <laughs> he's he comes up with these weird opinions that no one seems to agree with anymore so he's he's kind of just a hotbed for yeah everyone says what but he did bring up an interesting point with the statement and that point is the nintendo switch family of hardware now the switch was introduced to us in 2017. fast forward to 2019 nintendo introduces us to the switch Lite. we're now moving into 2021 we are anticipating a revision similar to what we kind of saw in 2019 we saw a slight revision that improved the battery life and what if nintendo adds another member to the switch family in 2021 and what i'm thinking and i put this on twitter is what if nintendo introduces a
1: non a dock only switch yeah and we've talked about this before, oh, right? Yeah, 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 and yeah. It's it's definitely a possibility, you know. Like, I think it fits Nintendo's historic pattern. Yep.
0: We're talking. Like, we know the Switch revision is supposed to have 4K capabilities of some sort. The R and D is done. Take the internals of that, put it into a box, remove the screen remove the joy-con boom yeah you have your little 4k switch that you can only play on your tv and you can bring it down to a price below that of the switch Lite. yeah that is your cheap entry model
1: yeah and you're not kind of cannibalizing your current existing switch you know library i mean even with a new nintendo switch you wouldn't be doing that but it would just add a little bit of I would say confusion in there because I mean, if they market it correctly, which they will, I don't think you know most people will 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 know any different. But it just makes it, it's very clear about what you're going to buy versus hey, this is a new Nintendo Switch, which costs exactly the same price as the current model because we're phasing out the current model type of thing. Yeah, I mean, th- there's definitely some appeal there with, with what's being said, and you are kind of rounding out the, the suite with a, you know, a handheld only a hybrid and a dockable only, I, you know, there's definitely some, some, some appeal there and some things to really think about that, that make, make something like that, a possibility going into next, into next year for sure. But if, if it was me, you know, speculating, I still think it's the, the new Nintendo Switch with the uh, which it's just you know replaces the existing model as we know.
0: Yeah, I mean I, I could see them going this three tier approach of you have the hybrid as the flagship model two ninety nine offers you the best both worlds, you have the light, portable only, and then you just have that stationary switch, yeah. which will have the internals of the revision. So you have, you know, you have your 4K TV. Now the games look crisper and clearer on your TV, unlike the current Switch. And you could price it so affordable that, you know, it doesn't have to sell tens of millions of units. It's really just for those people who just want a Nintendo system. They don't want to have that worry of, well, I bought the Switch, I have kids, they took it out of the dock, they dropped it, it broke. Mm -hmm. Here's my box. Yeah, And it doesn't even it could be the size of an Xbox series S yeah It doesn't even have to be that big. It could probably be even smaller if they really wanted it to. It's kind of just that convenience factor of there's a lot of people out there who own a switch and they say, I never undock it and they feel like they bought a handheld that they never use and it's kind of like, well you know, I would have bought a system that just removed that portable element if it was a little cheaper. like I would have bought that model but Nintendo doesn't offer it. And since they've already offered the portable only switch, is there really any reason they can't offer a stationary switch piece of hardware? And you know, no, there's not. Yeah. Like they destroyed the idea of switch with the switch light. Right. Can't switch. So introduce the next natural progression of the system of a docked only switch. And I think we could see it in 2021 because as I said, we saw the switch in 2017. The light came out in 2019. And now you can do the switch home in 2021 and you cover all areas of needs for the platform. And, you know, as I say, it doesn't have to sell tons of units. It's just to cater to that small market who
1: doesn't want a portable system. What about um, the Joy-Cons and stuff? Do you just, does it, you bundle it with a pro controller? How, how does that work? Yeah. Bundle with a pro controller. And
0: that's... Yeah. And that's the thing you save yourself on cost. You remove right. that screen. That's a that's a big part of cost for the Switch itself is the screen. It's the screen? Yeah. Remove the Joy-Cons, bundle in a Pro controller, you could probably get this down to
1: $150. It doesn't solve my problem though that the screens are too small. <laughs> I want a bigger screen. Now you have your TV. <laughs> well, that's true. You do have the TV, but then there's the Joy-Con drift issue. I guess with the Pro controller that that eliminates that too, right? See, well, I mean, you still have the revision, or you still have the pro, the hybrid, so you could still have improved Joy
0: Cons, yeah. They make the screen a little bigger, and then you have to make that tough decision of what
1: do I buy? Yeah, I, I mean, I want the best of both worlds? I would buy a docked only Switch and keep the light for the the portable stuff. Even though I just complained about the screen size, <laughs> I think it's it's the best portable iteration of the handheld. So, yeah, I mean, I think there's definitely some some merit in in that that thought process that, you know, they could just bookend the range with a docked-only or a dockable-only Switch revision. I think that would be kind of cool.
0: And it kind of fits Nintendo's narrative where they said they want to turn the Switch into, like, a family yeah. of different hardware. So, if you do have the Switch Home, Switch Lite, Switch Hybrid, and you cover all all the bases of need, you really do create that, you know, that family of systems where no matter the no matter how you game, you have an option. Mm-hmm. And if Nintendo can't position themselves that way with aggressive pricing, you kind of you just kind of sit there and you say, Hey, we're in a really strong place now. We've already have sold at that point probably 85 million switch and switch lights. Yeah. And now you have another available SKU where people will double dip and, you know, switch hardware sales just continue to rise. And maybe some people who have been hesitant to buy a switch for those reasons, they just don't want a portable system or they just look at it and think it's flimsy say, well, now I'm going to buy that new Nintendo system. And, you know, that's the market Nintendo hasn't been able to directly address, but now you can. And even with cloud gaming, (laughs) Because it's going to be in your house on Wi-Fi, maybe it has an Ethernet port. Who knows? That's a foreign technology to Nintendo for some reason. <laughs> All of a sudden, cloud gaming is more viable. I plug in that Ethernet port. Right. So I don't have to worry about the Internet connection being too weak with Wi-Fi. And now games like Control or Resident Evil 7 on cloud become even more viable for the platform. And it bides Nintendo time until they have to release their inevitable successor in the early 2023 20, range. Yeah.
1: So, it's bring it on. Nintendo could have a very interesting year next year. Yeah, I I uh I want to see what they come up with. Hopefully they'll They'll just completely blow people's minds with this stuff. Because I think that would be a pretty big announcement if they came out with something like that. I think a lot of people, again, would be questioning, well, what, what what, exactly is the Switch anymore? But I think it would be a really cool move if they did that. I'd definitely jump on board with a system like that.
0: Yeah, I mean, if Nintendo can do with a th- the three-prong approach and be successful at it, then we, can, I, we kind of have an idea of how they can approach their next-gen system. Right. Maybe like right out of the gate within the first eighteen months, they come out with hybrid light home. Yep. And
1: it's just like kind of like what we see with the iPads. Like you have like what is it? The iPad like mini, iPad. the iPad Air, the regular iPad. Yeah, there's, there's a yeah. the whole suite of different ones you can get. Yeah, if Nintendo could do that with a Switch, I mean it would take careful marketing.
0: You have to have aggressive pricing. But you know, the Switch has been so successful. Nintendo, it's not a concept you want to abandon anytime soon. And 2021 just feels like the right time for them to do something like that. Because usually every two years, you see the another revision or a new introduction of a model with this platform so far. And, you know, bring it on. And that could be a nice way to compete with the current or the next-gen systems from Sony and Microsoft by introducing yeah. your own system. Especially if it has the internals of what we're anticipating with the revision or the Pro. And you have that 4K functionality, you can finally say, hey,
1: switch 4K. Mm-hmm. Yep. So let's see. Come on, Nintendo. Bring it. Yeah, I'm looking forward to next year. It'll be it'll be it'll be a good one for sure. Now we have a wide array of
0: Streamlab questions. And the first one is from Jackie G, who donated a dollar, who writes, if E3 2021 does go ahead next year. Do you see any other major companies dropping out? Love the content as always. Um, Who's
1: left? (laughs) (laughs) I, I, I will start by saying, I think it's unlikely that E3 2021 will go ahead next year. But if it did, then I would not expect to see Sony at the show. I would not expect to see Nintendo at the show. Microsoft maybe will set up shop across the street at the Staples Center like they normally do because that's their theater. Um, I don't really expect it to be any different than what we saw in 2019 as far as people, you know, who's going to be there. Yeah, I'm not really anticipating E3 2021 to be a
0: in-person show. I think they'll go like a virtual event. Yeah. Better than the Summer Game Fest. I think they'll have something a little more organized. But Let's hope so. Yeah, I can't think of any big companies really left to leave E3. I think as a lot of these companies said, they saw just as much attention during the Summer Game Fest as they saw during E three. So I think a lot of companies realized don't need E three in the tradition in the traditional sense
1: anymore. With that said though, I do miss E three and hopefully <laughs> we'll see its return some point. Some point I'm sure we'll see it returned in a new format.
0: We then had a $3 donation from Matthew Hammond, who writes, here is a possible way some developers could shame other developers into changing. <laughs> Have a prominent logo on their games that say crunch. Oh, However, this is defined 70 plus, 70 plus, 80 plus, or 90 plus hours a week was not utilized in the development of this game. That certainly would shame developers if they had to put that at the beginning of a game saying, we utilize crunch. Our developers worked 100 hours a week for three months.
1: Yeah. You'll never see something like that happen, but it what, would definitely make developers feel bad. What I would like to see there is, you know, we we hear all the stories about bad crunch stories, but let's let's talk about the the good companies that that have a really good work culture and bring them up, you know, and put them in the limelight and shine a light on them and let's listen to their stories about you know, how they're doing things and what makes them successful. And hopefully that will, A, educate more people about, you know, the dangers of crunch and working for companies that that have a crunch culture. And B, you know, these companies that do have a crunch culture, maybe they will take note of these things and hopefully either come up with some changes that make sense for them, or at the very least, just, you know, make them have... A good hard look at themselves and say, look, we we really need to figure some things out, you know, and and, and go from there. Yeah, that
0: would also be a good avenue to explore for the
1: industry. Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: We then had a $5 donation from Flame Token Right? I was pleasantly surprised by the localization of Fire Emblem 1, but I was more intrigued by the lack of a physical cart from the collector's edition. Me too. Do you think we'll see more code-only collector's editions, or was this too small to justify a cart on its own?
1: we will see more code-only collector's editions that are limited edition in this fashion because this is something Nintendo has done in the past. If you go back and look at Virtual Console, there has been numerous games that have been limited edition and have never returned. And I think this is just another example of that. Unfortunately, I would like to see a physical, but I don't think it's coming.
0: Yeah, this definitely wasn't a case of, like, Cost or anything, they easily could have thrown this game on a cart. The cart at that size would have been pennies to Nintendo, anyways. But it's easier just to do code only, make a big fancy thing, and as MPG was saying, that's really the decision behind such things with these collector's editions. and a dollar donation from Nexus. Right, I noticed in the PlayStation Five teardown video that the drive is attached on the outside of the main assembly. Would it be possible to buy an all-digital PlayStation 5 and add a disk drive
1: later by swapping out the shell? In theory, it would be, but security-wise, it won't work. Everything, at least in previous iterations of Sony hardware, including the Blu-ray drives, is tied to the system via a key, and that key is generally associated with the CPU key, which is not easily extractable. So the answer is in theory, yeah, you could connect a drive up, but it's probably not going to work, I would say. I think it will just reject any disk that you try to put into it. Yeah, we need
0: to actually like tear down the system ourselves and you yeah. really see everything in the internals to see if it's possible. But yeah, in theory, you're right, it is possible. Then we had a dollar donation from the Dark Void. Right, hello, gentlemen. I have a strange question. Do you think a portable external SSD hard drive like the Samsung T7 will work for the PlayStation 5 and Xbox Series X or S? Also, what obscure Nintendo IP would you like to see return? I'm rooting for eternal darkness or geist. Uh, the portable external SSD like the Samsung T7. It should work for PlayStation 5 and Xbox Series X and S as a external storage. You won't be able to play your PlayStation 5 or Xbox Series S or X games from it, but you can store your games on it. You would have to transfer them to the system itself. If you want to play them, you can play your Xbox One or PlayStation 4 games from it.
1: But yeah, yeah there's no reason for any compatibility issues there. Agree. And before we move on, Pilot Wings would be my my pick, by the way. Pilot Wings. I love that franchise. Ooh, an obscure Nintendo IP. What would I
0: come up with? Um, oh, man. Ice Climbers. That's a good one. Because it's, it's quite obscure. The original game wasn't really that good. And you can make it like... Could make it like an actual good mountain climbing game
1: where there's like treacherous, yeah. treacherous mountains and rocks and yeah like like, like when you're climbing that big snow-capped mountain in death stranding that was fun yeah just something like yeah, that i want Take that like model. that yeah this dark gritty mountain climbing
0: game with those two what are they like husband and wife <laughs> exactly no he fell off the mountain. <laughs> <laughs> then had a $12 donation from Dan74, saying, Looking at the Switch games likely coming in 2021 has me excited, but the chance of blowing it all in one year seems like a bad strategy. If you could decide what games hold until Switch 2, what would they be? Splatoon 3? Mario Kart 3? Mario?
1: Dragon Quest 12? I think Mario Kart's definitely one of them. You know, that's kind of the evergreen title out of that one splatoon would be another another one I guess but I don't know about Dragon Quest I mean I think you know obviously that is a time commitment and a very big one at that but I think once you beat that game you'll never even want to think about it ever again and I think something like Mario Kart just holds that I'm just gonna play one more game or I'm gonna turn the system on and and jump online for like 20 minutes and 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 beat some fools playing you know so I I would say Mario Kart personally.
0: Yeah, I would hold anything that's like evergreen, like the Mario Kart, Splatoon, Smash Brothers type of stuff, because it is evergreen. They sell for the duration of a you know the system's lifespan, and you know Mario Kart Eight Deluxe looks to be the holiday pack in again for this year. So, Nintendo clearly sees value in that game still. Um, yeah, things like Mario, you can, you can always have more than one Mario game on a you know a system. We've had Mario Galaxy, Mario Galaxy Two. So there's no reason to hold a mario game back um yeah i'd hold back the splatoons to mario karts smash brothers those type of games I then had a five dollar donation from forward thinking who writes cyberpunk got me thinking how do we preserve physical games that have downloadable patches especially those back from the ps3 and 360 era can we download the patch data and merge it with the disc data to create a complete image? Yes,
1: but the problem is these games need to be re-signed and recertified, so it makes it impossible to do so. I think the best thing we can hope for is the company to come back and bring out a you know what do you call it like a director's cut version or a a you know, one of the versions that has all the DLC included with all the patches and everything in the future. And a lot of companies like to do that, the, you know, complete edition of something. Not everyone is doing that, but hopefully we'll we'll see more of those come out.
0: Then had a dollar donation from Skittles, writes, with today's news of game streaming coming to Switch, let me propose to you Game Pass for Switch. To not cannibalize sales of games on Switch, it would focus more on Microsoft's first-party games. Could you see the service as a viable addition to Ultimate? Yes, it would be a viable addition to Ultimate, but Nintendo still doesn't seem willing to play ball with Microsoft.
1: (laughs) doesn't seem like it. And I think Microsoft right now obviously have have their hands full with the Bethesda acquisition, so I don't know if the timing is still right at the moment for this, but... Hopefully, you know, this discussion is still on the table and we'll see more of it at some point.
0: Yeah, I mean, if it is a case of Microsoft saying we're only going to bring our first party games to the Switch via Game Pass on cloud for Switch, maybe Nintendo could have a little more control over which games get approved on that type of application. So, because they wouldn't have those games anyways, but Nintendo still might say, if you can natively port a game, we'll use Ori as the example, then do the native port. Don't do the cloud version. If you want to do a cloud version of Starfield for the Switch, yeah, we'll be more than willing to take it. But, you know, there's so many factors when these deliberations are taking place, and those are always the hold up is the finer details. But as we said, I'm sure they are having these conversations, Microsoft and Nintendo are close, they both seem to want to work together for this industry. And maybe one day we do see something like just Microsoft first party games come to Switch via the cloud. It's certainly something I think a lot of people with a Switch would love to see happen. So you know we will see how it plays out in the months and years to come. And that is the final Streamlabs question. As always, if you donate a dollar, or any amount you'd like, ask us a question and we will answer at the end of the episode. If you donate $100 or more, we will dedicate the episode to you. Today's episode was dedicated to Shamsa. As always, thank you for your generosity. And I'd like to thank MVG for joining me as always. Hey, thanks for having me on. That was a, it was a fun discussion tonight. It was a fun discussion, and be sure to check MVG's channel, which is linked in the description below, so you can see the Xbox Series S unboxing and see the cute little Snoopy dog system that it is. <laughs> and if you enjoyed this video, be sure to give the video a like, subscribe to the channel, ring that notification bell, let us know your thoughts in the comments section below, and until next time, embrace the hate.